We are glad you're here. Thanks for spending it with us. We're asking a question this morning. Who's not at the party? Who's, who's not there? And that'll make more sense as we dive in. Before we do, I need to ask you for something. If you consider Heights home and you consider yourself a part of this community and you would, you would say, this is where my feet are planted, then we begin a series next week called So Will I. We need you there. We need you to be a part of this series. We need you to anchor in. We need you to dive in because the steps that we are going to take forward are going to come out of this idea of so will I. And so um, if you you are here and this is home, and if you're here and you're going, man, I don't know about this community, then come and join us for the next um, roughly six weeks, maybe seven, depending on where the series lands out. But um, it is about all about moving forward, which at the end of a year becomes really natural. Uh, I don't know about you, but social media, if you, if you have social media, um, if you have Instagram or Snapchat, uh, it's, it's reminding you that the end of the year is near. And it, it begins to tell you, like, look at your past year in your photos. And, and so they begin to categorize, like, here's places you went. Here's people you saw. Here's things you... And what started to happen is I started to ask questions. As I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, here's, here's pictures of places I've been this year or here's... Here's different, different spaces and people I was with or different memories that come along. And one of the questions I began to ask was this, is that really what I care about? Is what is found in those photos really something that I go, that is what, like at the core of me, when I started this year, that is what I hoped at the end of it would be the, the capture, so to speak, of everything about my year. And, and I found myself going, I wonder if next year it'll be the same photos, just different. I'll just look older, basically. But, um, like, I wonder if, I'll just have more gray hair, right? Um, But I wonder, and by the way, people always go, do you dye it? (laughs) Yes, I dye my hair gray. Um, Because that's cool right now. Um, But but here's the thing, right? If, If you don't, if you don't live intentionally, if you don't live intentionally, then what happens will happen. And what you, what you celebrate, you will repeat. So what is found in those photos that you're celebrating, more than likely, if you don't stop and take count, you will repeat. And, and so just as we, as a community today, we're just going to kind of look towards the future. But, but what I want to do is I want to give you something that you can look at the future and go, how do I get a laser sharp focus for 2018? How do I lean into 2018 and go, I'm going to hit the things that I care about so that, so that at the end of that, what we actually care about are the things we, we wanted to care about. And another thing, hopefully, that we define today is what does heaven care about? What, what does heaven, if heaven was setting goals, what would those goals look like? And, and so kind of anchoring into that thought. We're, we're going to come up with, we're going to look at some familiar stories. They're really familiar. And then coming out of those stories, we're going to go, okay, here's, here's a takeaway for us. And then because we were made to celebrate, we're just going to celebrate. Is that okay? All right. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a physical copy. You can get that on your way out. But I would suggest even more than that, the best way to end 2017 for you is if you have not downloaded the Bible app onto your phone, I would do that before the day ends. That way you will have the Bible everywhere you go. It becomes real easy to to connect wherever you happen to find yourself in 2018. Um, Luke chapter 15 begins this way. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So there's the context of the stories we're about to dive into. So, so the context is the tax collectors and sinners are coming and they're sitting in a space where they can physically hear Jesus teach. Now, because we live in the West, tax collectors have a different connotation maybe than what, what we tend to think of, right? So, so in this context, if you were to go back to the original listeners and the original listeners were to get this letter, and they were to read that the tax collectors and the sinners were there, when they hear the word tax collectors, here's, here's the translation to them. These people were traitors. And they were traitors because they, they were born of a Jewish heritage, and somewhere along the way, they'd chosen to go work for the empire, which was Rome, which, which was governing. They'd gone to work for the empire as a tax collector, and as a tax collector, then they were oppressing their own people. So, so as a tax collector, they would look at this, and their translation in their head would be, they're traitors because they left our community... They, they've moved from our community to another community. They're, they're traitors. They, they've moved away from us. They're outside of community. And then when they heard the word sinners, for us, we hear the word sinner, and we instantly go to um, because of where we're born and where you grew up, and depending on your church background and depending on how much religious jargon you've been given, when we hear the word sinner, we come up with a list of things of of these are sins, right? And so if you're a sinner, you're probably doing one of these things. Um, the issue is back when the, the original listeners are getting this, they're not thinking through the same lens we are. The, the context of what's being set up isn't the same context that we naturally um, put onto the passage because of the way we think. So when they hear the word sinners, they would hear something like um, the law, right? They're not keeping the law, but specifically the law was about other people. It was about your treatment of other people. It was about how you lived in community. The law was about how well you loved your neighbor. The law was about how well you loved those in the sphere of your influence. And essentially when they heard the word sinner, it wasn't this list of things they'd broken as much as it was another group of people that had moved away from the community because they were making choices not best for the community, but they were making choices that were best for themselves. And so in this context then when they hear this, what, they, what they're hearing is these two groups of people that have left community, that are, that are moved away from, are now sitting and listening to Jesus. That's the context. If we miss the context, we miss the stories. The context is this, that there is a whole collective, and there are some people that have chosen to leave the collective. There are some people that have chosen to step out of community. There are some people that have chosen to step away. And they have now gathered to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, so the religious leaders, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. When they, when they say the word eat, it, it, it's essentially saying that Jesus not only like is he welcoming them, but he's actually eating with them, which was to, to essentially say, these are my brothers and sisters. These are my peeps. These are my community. And, and so the religious leaders have an issue with the fact that Jesus is going with these people that are outside of community, he's now sitting with them and treating them like they are inside of the community. Next verse. Then Jesus told them this parable. So in the context of the outsiders, 
in the context of those that have moved away from community, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So, so Jesus begins out with a story. The, the claim is you're sitting with those that are outside of community. And, and what the, Jesus comes up with is it's a parable. And he begins specifically with, suppose one of you has 100 sheep. Now the odds of someone being in that group that have 100 sheep was very small. The odds of someone having that kind of wealth sitting listening. So instantly... They can relate because they understand the role of a shepherd. They understand the role of having sheep, but they cannot own it as he's talking about me. Why? Because they're not that person of wealth. And so he carries on. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Okay. If you have a hundred sheep and you lose one, what did you do? You counted Right? You figured out that you were missing a sheep. You, you recognized that the sheep was gone. Something happened and you went, oh, Fluffy's not here. Right? I don't know about you, but I grew up in England and there are sheep everywhere. Like, like there's literally more sheep than people. And what's really weird is we grow these sheep everywhere, but if you want to eat lamb, it costs you more because they ship all of the sheep out and import lamb. Go figure, right? Um, but, but they're sheep, literally, and they're the dumbest animals. Like, like they, they literally, if there's a hole in the wall and one walks through, it's like, well, it's good for him, it's good for me. And they're all going, right? Um, but here's the thing. They're also not organized. They're also kind of scattered. And, and so what he's saying is, is this man is observant. This shepherd is observant. He is, he is keeping count of what he has, that he has kept track of what he has so much to the point that he goes, the fat one's missing, right? Or the the skinny one's missing, right? He knows which one's missing. And, And instantly he goes, okay, if it's missing, so he's kept count, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? Okay, so so Jesus is now saying, okay, if you lost it, here's what you do. You leave the 99 in the wilderness, you leave the 99 where it's where, where they are, and you are going to go. So there's a movement to go after the lost sheep until he finds it. So, so what Jesus is saying is you count, you understand what you have, you understand what you don't have or what is missing or what should be there to complete it that isn't there. And then when you find out what isn't there, you do what? He says you go after it, you pursue it. That, that word go after is literally to go out. And notice what happens. He goes after the lost sheep until what? He finds it. He goes after it until he finds it. It's a search. I don't know if you've ever had a search, but it takes effort. A, a search isn't, I went around the corner and went, oh, it's, Fluffy's not here. Well, I guess I lost him. It says that he goes after him and he continues to pursue him until he finds it. There is effort involved. There is resources involved. There is is not only the effort to pursue, but, but the effort to look. He's intentional with his actions. Tom, I said hi. 
He counted. He counted. You want me to answer it for you? I got it. Um, he's intentional to count. And then he's intentional to pursue. We good? Okay. And when he finds it, and when he finds it. Okay, okay, pause for a sec, because don't miss this. He knows something is missing, in this case a sheep, and he pursues it until what? He finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He joyfully. There is celebration. I don't know if you've ever looked for something that you lost. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're like, it's so valuable and you can't find it and it drives you crazy, right? Um, and then you get iPhone, you got iPhones and you can't find your iPhone, so you get an iWatch so that you can ping your iPhone. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just because you can't find it. Um, but when I was a kid, we lived in Papua New Guinea, which is an island just north of Australia. And when I was... When we were there, we had like, we were on one missionary base and there was another one next to us with a different organization and they kept getting broken into, right? The, the, the nationals would come and they would steal their stuff and, and it happened a couple of times. And then the third time it happened, I think it was the third, the, the, the break-in happened. They came home during it and so they ran out the back and just kind of like were dropping stuff and hiding stuff to come back later and get. And, and so there was, there was a point where they realized that their passports had been stolen. And you can imagine, if you're in a third world country and your passport gets stolen, that's not a good day. Um, right? So they're, they've, stuff's been hidden. And so they called all the neighborhood, especially as kids, and went, would you go and look for stuff? And I can remember as a kid going down and looking and looking. And I remember finding the passports. And I remember the joy. Can you imagine the joy on the face of this missionary couple who literally this was their life in a foreign country? This joyful moment of the find that you've been searching. That's the expression that comes in this joyfully. He joyfully, it's not a task, by the way. It's not a chore. He's been looking and he found. And he puts it on his shoulders and he begins to come back. And where does he go? He goes home. You know what's fascinating? That word home can also mean temple, which also can translate church. He goes home. And then he calls his friends because, by the way, when you find what is lost, you throw a party. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. So at the home, at the gathering place, they come together now and they have a party. And, and, and he calls his friends and he calls his family and he calls people. Why? Because what was lost has been found. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. This story takes like a... We're like talking about sheep and now we're talking about repentance. Last time I checked, the sheep didn't repent. So that's weird. But what's interesting is in the same way there will be more what? Rejoicing. There will be more celebration. There will be more partying. Where? In heaven over one person who is outside of community that comes into community. Don't miss this. What does heaven rejoice over? The outside of community that come into community. 
Heaven rejoices over the one that is astray, that is far out. That, that it says that you count, you pursue, and when you find, you rejoice. It says heaven is rejoicing over those that are found. Heaven is rejoicing over the one that is brought in. It got me thinking because I, I began to go over, over my life here at Heights. I just hit the 10-year mark, so you become real nostalgic. And at the 10-year mark, I started to go, man, I don't want the next 10 years to be the same as these 10 years. And here's what I mean. I believe that God has got so much church for us to do. I believe that God has got so many people that need to know about community and about Jesus and about love. That I believe there's so many people in our community that don't know him that we have a task on our hands. That in the next 10 years, it is not about how many butts get in seats. It's about how many people meet Jesus. And if it takes a bigger building to do that, if it takes more buildings, if it takes us pressing outward, it doesn't matter. What matters is that our role, our role is what? To rejoice over what heaven rejoices over. What does heaven rejoice over? When someone comes in that was out. Church, we have a job. We have a mission. We have a task. We have, we have a step forward that we have to take. Why? Because we better be about what heaven is about. I want, I want my Instagram story for the next 10 years to be way more about the amount of people that met Jesus. The amount of people that were baptized. The amount of people that were sent out. The amount of people. Way more about that than I do about where I've been and who I've been with. And it says, man, when you find them, celebrate. Next verse. Or suppose a woman... So now he flips it, right? He talked about sheep. Now we're going to talk about a woman, right? Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Or suppose a woman has 10 coins. What does she do with those 10 coins? She counts and she comes up with only nine. When she finds nine, what does she do? She lights a lamp and begins to what? Sweep. Because the pursuit is never the same for what is lost. The pursuit always matches what you're chasing. The pursuit always matches what you're trying to find. The pursuit isn't one size fits all. She counts. Ten's a little easier, right? But she's still wealthy, so odds are people aren't relating to her still or not putting themselves in the story, but they're going, okay, 10, 9, find the one, sweep. When she finds it, she does what? She calls people together to celebrate. Why? Because what heaven is celebrating is what? When someone comes back into community. Remember the context. The context is those that have stepped out of community, right? Whether because they're pursuing their own things or whether they've just switched sides. It doesn't matter. They're out of community. And that's the context of pulling people back into community. Next verse. And then he switches again. He says, there was a man who had how many sons? Two. If you were an original listener, your mind instantly went to Bible stories. The Bible story is full of two sons, two sons, two sons, two sons. So in, in the Jewish mind, there was a context now for the original listeners. There's a context that's put forward about how those sons will interplay in this story, right? There's expectations of what will happen. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. He divided it, which that's fascinating because in those days you didn't divide equally. You divided two-thirds and a third. You you didn't give equal. The older got more. The younger got less. In this context, they both got equal. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Here's something fascinating within this story that I only saw this week, um, is, is how what Jesus is talking about, the idea of community, and the idea of those that step away from community, this son is one that is chosen to step where? Away from community, but what's interesting is the community attaches himself to, he has needs in that community, notice what happens. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Next verse. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, so here's a young man who steps out of his community. He now finds himself with this group of people. And inside of that group of people, he now has needs. He becomes hungry. He begins to starve. And it says that the people of that community did not what? Meet his needs for food. Maybe, maybe just a total side note. Be careful who you attach yourself to. Be careful of the type of people that you choose. The word that he hired himself to a citizen of that country, well, that word for hired is actually joined, that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He joined another community. He stepped outside of the community and he stepped into another one. When the needs arose and when starvation came, they didn't meet his needs. Church, we, we have to be a place that meets the needs of those that show up. We have to be a place that go, even if I don't have, I'm gonna, generosity is gonna win. That we will make sure you're taken care of, no matter if it hurts. That we are a place that when people go, I am a part of this family, that the family actually takes care of the family. And so it says, that no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer called, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and what? Celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they, so they began to what? Celebrate. The the language here is that he killed the fattened calf, which all that means is there was enough meat for the entire village. So whoever they were living around, it was understood that they were going to be invited because they needed help eating all the food that had been prepared. So the entire village, in essence, is at this celebration. Now we started this story and we said this, the story is what? Suppose a man had two sons. 
If the story ends here, all we've heard about is what? One. And at this point, has the father done anything? Has he pursued? No. So it doesn't match up with the other stories yet. Next verse. Meanwhile, the older son was where? In the field. And he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So, so the story now switches. The father forgot to count. The father forgot to count. The father looked at what he had and he, he in essence, didn't take stock of who wasn't at the party. Jesus' point the whole time has been what? It's been people that lose stuff and they go and find it. And so at this point, the son is out in the field when he came near the house and heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. So now the son's like, what, what's happening? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Okay, now we have separation. He refuses to go in. So, so now the older son, and this is where the twist comes, right? Because the entire context of the entire thing is about the ones that are choosing to be what? Outside of community coming into community. So, so the, whole, the whole concept of this son that went away and did bad things and came back, we always make it about that. It's not about that. It's about this context that the older son is choosing to step out of community. He's choosing to step out of the group. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went, went out and pleaded. So now, so now the father recognizes, wait, I have two. One's not here. I'm going to go out. So the father now goes out to pursue. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had, we had to what? Celebrate and be glad that we're glad is joyful. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I love the language here. We had to celebrate. The, the, the original Greek is it was necessary. The, the, had we not done this, it wouldn't have been right. The, 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 the idea behind when someone comes back in, when someone comes in for the first time, when the community experiences someone who is on the outside and they come into the community, that we, we are called, it's necessary to what? Celebrate. So I want to give you three things. Three things for laser sharp focus in 2018. Three things to dial in your life to in 2018. Count. Do me a favor before the day ends, count. Do me a favor as you walk into your tomorrow and your Tuesday, count. It's claimed that your life will touch 75 lives a week. That your sphere of influence is 75. In all different shapes and sizes. Some close, some just just touch points. So, so let me ask you, if you were to count in that circle, you were to count those people because God has put you there. 
How many of those people are outside of community? How many of those people are outside, outside of what we call home? Because God has you there to count. Do you know what you have? Have you ever stopped to count? It's easy to count in my house. But God called you to so much more than just your house. God called you to so much more. God has called you to an entire, entire life where he gave you his Holy Spirit. Why? So that you, you could be Jesus to them. You are Jesus with skin on to them every single day. So have you counted? Have you recognized? This is what I have. This is what I need to next step pursue. Because once you count, then you got to pursue. And when you pursue, it's not the same. What, what you're, even somebody in your own home or somebody in your, your life group or somebody like, it's not going to be the same. What they're doing to chase that person isn't the same as what you're going to do. The woman had to sweep and use a light while the other one went out, while the other one just stepped outside of a party. The way you pursue is going to look different. The way that you go after people will look different. For some of you, it might begin in your home that the reason someone's not in community is because they saw the Jesus in you and went, I want no part of that. And your first stopping place, your first pursuit begins in the home. That you're going to start to pursue the way Jesus would. That you're going to start to love the way Jesus would. That you're going to forgive the way Jesus would. That you're going to do whatever it takes to bring them in to meet Jesus. For others, it's just going to be that you've got that person and you just lavish on them. Whether it's with words, whether it's with your actions, whether it's with your finances. You're just going to lavish love and generosity. Love and generosity. Love because they're going, why do you love me so much? Why are you so generous to me? And you're going, because Jesus was generous to me. Please don't tell them you're pursuing them. That would be weird. But your actions are, I am not going to give up because that's what you need. For others, it might be that you just need to sit with them because they're hurting. You need to just sit and you just need to listen. You just need to let them talk and your pursuit of them is just hours and hours of you don't even know why you're listening, you just are. For others, it'll be stepping into a whole new group because God's just calling you out. God's just telling you to go. but may 2018 be a year that you count and you pursue. Why? Because then we will celebrate. And we will celebrate every single one. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to celebrate every time someone walks in and they go, I don't know why I'm here. And we go, we do. Welcome. Come on in. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a party. We're going to have balloons. By the way, you cannot look at a balloon and not be happy. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. But I want to flip it one more time. Because while our laser focus is we are going to count, we are going to pursue, and we are going to celebrate all year long. Count, pursue, celebrate, count, pursue. That's, that's our goal. We're going to end today by flipping it to the last part. Because last time I checked, there's a whole bunch of people in this room that are found because of Jesus Christ. Last time I checked, there's a whole bunch of people in this room that if we took that story, you go, hey, I'm the one that was dead and now I'm alive. 
I'm the one that, that was lost and, and I was stuck in the pig farm and now I'm here and I'm cleaned up because I met Jesus. And, and so what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're actually going to party. Okay. We're going to have a party. We have balloons. You can start handing balloons out. I'm not even joking. We have balloons. Church, here's why. Here's why. Because when you were far away, God ran towards you. He ran towards you in the person of Jesus and stretched out his arms to take everything you could ever have done wrong and in yourself. He took it on him and he said, I will pay for it. They go free. I will pay for them. And when you, when you said, yes, essentially God called you out of the grave, out of the dead and into life. And he put a robe on you, just like the son in the story. You know why you got a robe? Because a robe talks about dignity. A robe talks about, about this idea that you belong. And then he put a ring on your finger. You know why he put a ring on your finger? Because it gives you authority. It declares over your life and everything you touch that you are his kid. That you are able to walk free. That you are, when people go, how are you going to pay for that? You go, the ring that Jesus bought me on the cross. You are free. Your debt is paid. And then he puts sandals. He puts sandals on your feet. You know why? Because only slaves went barefooted in those days. Children of the household walked with shoes on. He puts sandals on your feet to tell you, you are a kid of the king. You are a son and you are a daughter of the most high. And so here's what's going to happen because the, the chapter ends with, we had to celebrate. It is necessary when the lost become found to celebrate. And so if there are any found in the room, you better get on your feet because we are going to celebrate together. We're going to end 2017 with celebration because of Jesus and what he's done.